Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Hi everybody, welcome to this episode of the Property Sourcing Profits podcast and this episode is about starting out, it's about getting on your way, it's about very first steps, it's about what do you do? What do you do? You've invested in yourself, you've done some training, you've got all the materials, uh, you're working with people uh, potentially who could help you on your journey. What do you do? How do you get going? Uh, and it's based on a Skype call I had today with one of my mentees, somebody I'm helping get on their way, sourcing deals, finding deals, selling deals, getting paid. That's the key, getting paid. So how do you get going? So he's a very smart young man. He's ready to go. He's anxious to make a start. He's got all the materials. He's got all the deal analyzers. He's uh, been looking in his area. He's been looking on street check. He's been trying to work out what his area is. And that was the first part of the conversation. What is my area, David? And um, I asked him where he wanted to work. Where do you want to work? He said, I want to work in Leeds. That's where I want to work. That's uh, I'm, I live down the road from Leeds, and Leeds is my area. But it looks quite expensive in Leeds. I'm not quite sure what to do. Okay, pause. Here we go. Uh, point number one, really, really important. So while you're getting started, while you're setting up, while you're um, establishing your craft, you're building your skills, then maybe your goldmine area is not the place to start on day one. So I said to him, where where locally might be easier for you to, to go, where probably there's a low uh, threshold cost of entry into the market for investors, where can you offer great value? Where are you prepared to go to practice your skills, to set yourself up out there? Um, and it doesn't matter if you mess up. Because we're all going to mess up at the beginning, right? Until you've got your scripts in place, you're going to mess up. And uh, we talked about two or three different sites in and around where he lives. And we plumped for Halifax. Wow. How, bet you didn't think you were going to Halifax when you uh, tuned into the podcast. So we had a look at Halifax. What do you do? How do you make a start? This is what we did. Because his concern was that he's going to go off into town looking for deals, but he has no uh, specific requirements because he has not yet got any investors. He's right at the very start of his journey. Any investors who he can go and source for. He hasn't had those conversations as to what they're looking for, how he can best serve them to move them forward. So the question was, David, if I've got no specific requirements, what do I do? Here's what I told him. What we need to do is go to a town where you can find decent accommodation in decent areas where decent people live. We don't want to be in the Bronx, but we, we want to make sure that we are not pricing ourselves out of the market in the early days. So low cost of entry is key. Really good, strong letting areas where there's loads and loads of tenants. You're not going to have any problem filling your houses. That's absolutely key. Let's get on right move and have a look at Halifax. So that's what we did. And uh, it's really entry, really easy. If you, once you get onto right move, you just put in Halifax. We put in, um, we were looking for houses minimum two beds, maximum three beds, uh, and we wanted to know what they were going to cost. And um, it was quite interesting because 
If you go lowest price first, that's an option that you have in one of the tabs. You can look at the cheapest houses in Halifax first. Um, we started to see them from about £40,000. Now, I know this sounds ridiculous. If you're in the south of England, if you're listening across the world, wherever it is that you listen, because we have international listeners now, welcome everybody. Um, £40,000 sounds ridiculously cheap for a house. I get it, right? But... Uh, the point was between £40,000 and £65,000, he had about 50 houses that he could go and view. And remember, we are not at this point trying to sell a house to an investor. We are honing our craft. We are practicing our skills. We are making sure our systems work. We are seeing if we can move something forward. So we selected Halifax. We selected houses up to £60,000. Remember, they started at forty-five, Up to £60,000 that would be in good lettable condition. In other words, that they were in good enough condition to let this afternoon. That was the key. So they might need a lick of paint. They might need new flooring. But we were not looking for a big refurbishment project. That is not what we're looking for. Remember, this is an exercise. This is what we were trying to do. So for single lets in Halifax, we now need to go see what the rent roll is likely to be. We went to right move again. That's where we went. But this time, right move to rent. Right move to rent. Halifax again. Two to three bedroom houses again. What are the rents achievable? And it became apparent very quickly that two beds around 375, 385 a month, three beds. 450 a month so three beds was where we needed to focus because you get significantly higher rent but actually the cost of the houses to buy was about the same strange but true absolutely no doubt about that so these were our calculations if we could get a three-bed house for sixty thousand pounds that would be the target uh, we were looking uh, to achieve £450 per calendar month as the rent. If you annualise that over a year, that would be a gross figure, a gross figure, but let's talk gross figures, £5,400 rent on a 60 grand house. If you divide £5,400 by £60,000, I hope you're still with me, that is that number expressed as a, a percentage is the gross yield. And the gross yield on this particular house would be 9%. That's what it is. Now, if you're new and you don't want to get involved in the more complex calculations of ROI, return on investment, or ROCE, return on capital employed, then gross yield, just talking gross yield, is a really, really good place to be because everybody in the property business understands gross yield. And remember, we are not buying to order here or sourcing to order. We are sourcing a property and we don't know who the investor is who's going to buy it. So it has to be an attractive number. It's got to be a number that an investor is going to want to buy. I am telling you hand on heart, that if you go out into the market with a single let in a good lettable area, in good lettable condition, 9% gross yield is an attractive deal for an investor. You will sell that. 
If you can nudge it to 10%, double-digit gross yields, there are investors who will buy that. So it's really, really important. So what have we done here? With the mentee, what we've done is we've focused on an area. We've focused on areas within that area, within that town, where there's a good letting market, where you're not in the Bronx, where you're not going to have any trouble letting the house. And looking at the numbers, we've found, we are looking there for houses now that produce gross yields that are pushing double digits. In the property market at any time, you can sell those deals because an investor will come along and uh, they may pay in cash. They may pay £60,000 in cash or they might try and find one of those on a uh, buy-to-let mortgage, in which case they're likely to be putting down twelve pounds to £15,000 depending on the product, the mortgage product that they use, uh, plus... Uh, some a few pounds more for uh, a coat of paint and some flooring. Remember, we're not doing a huge refurbishment here. We're not. But the investor's going to have to pay for it. So if you can get the investor through the door on a 60 grand house all finished, um, if they're buying on a mortgage, they leverage uh, buy-to-let lenders, then for fifteen twenty thousand pounds they could be in through the door, have a cash-flowing asset, that grosses around 9%. If we can do the sums and get that house in at 55,000 instead of 60,000, why not? That can be nudging 10%, a double-digit yield. Now, you don't need to pour over deal analyzers for this. You don't need uh, detailed spreadsheets and systems and, and all of that sort of thing. All you need is a calculator, a pen, and a bit of paper. That's all you need. You take the gross rent roll for the year, divide it by the cost of purchase, whatever that cost is, and express that as a percentage. If you're coming up with 9-10%, you've got a deal. If you've got a deal, we can find you an investor. So suddenly, our man is on his way. Fantastic. We've got a gold mine area. We've got a target that we're looking for, three-bedroom houses that rent at four fifty a month. And we've got the potential of finding some deals. Uh, we'll talk about finding the investors in another episode. But at the moment, we're talking about finding some deals. The next thing he asked me, David, what if they don't want to, what if they don't want single let buy to let? What if they want to flip? Now, I've got a flip analyzer here, he said. A flip analyzer, you know, I'm getting myself in a bit of a mess. I've got to put all these numbers in. I'm not sure I put the right numbers in. How do I do it? What do I do? How does it work? Okay. Back to the analyzer problem. Yes, you will get investors who say that they want flips. And yes, if they're working with cash and uh, with flips, it is it is much better. If you work with investors who use cash or uh, bridging finance, probably that's the correct way forward. Then you can help them too, but you don't need a deal analyzer. You don't. I'm going back to the pen and paper and the calculator, but this time, this time, the calculation is so much simpler. So if you've got investors, you think you've got investors who uh, are going to want flips, these are the sums. The sums are, you look at the value, the final finished value of the flip, not the purchase price of the flip, the amount of money you want to get on the resale. 
So let's say you're, you've bought a house and you can add value. It's going to be more than the £60,000 one because flips don't really work on £60,000 houses because um, you can't generate enough uplift. So let's say, let's say finish value on a house that you're looking at to do a flat flip on is £120,000. What I am telling you is if you can buy that house for between 40 and 50%, 40 and 50 pence in the pound on the finished value of that flipped house, you have got a deal, my friend, and you can make some money out of that. There are people who will buy that house. So 120000 is our exit uh, price for the house. If you can buy the house for 55 to 60 grand, you've got a margin in there. You definitely have. Uh, you have to look at the refurb costs, of course, right? We're not going to buy a wreck and rebuild it for 15, 20 grand. But, you know, if it's if it's standing and it's in reasonable condition and you're just looking to uplift the quality, I'm telling you the target you need is 45 to 50 pence in the pound of the uplifted value. That is what you need to look for. So you don't need an analyzer for that. I've just told it to you. You can write it down, write it down. So now our new friend, he's got his town. He's got his type of house that he's looking for. He's got the area that he's looking for. Uh, he's got a single let target to go out and look for, right? We haven't found an investor yet, but we're, 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 we'll deal with that because if we can find these deals, investors will come. Uh, and just in case the investor's looking for a flip, 45 to 50p in the pound of the uplifted value will work. That's how it works for investors, and you're going to find investors to, for those too. So we moved on. What else would you like to do in your area? Let's go and practice our scripts. Let's go and practice sourcing this stuff, and then we can go to leads, which is where you want to work, and you'll know what you're doing because you've already walked the walk and talked the talk. Okay, well, what about minimos, David? What about multi-let? So what's a minimo? What's a multi-let? It is taking a residential house uh, and instead of putting a family in there, we are renting the rooms individually uh, and we go as far as four rooms. Four rooms is the target. Why, David? Why do you need four rooms? Why not three? Why not five? I'll tell you why not three or why not five. You can't do three because generally, in my experience, the arithmetic doesn't work. You can't get a decent rent roll to cover the additional costs that the investor's going to have in holding that house. Because if they're multi-letting, they've got to pay all the services, they've got to pay the Wi-Fi, they've got to pay uh, the insurance, they've got to pay the council tax, they've got to pay all that stuff. And uh, to be honest, by the time you paid all that stuff with three bedrooms, you might as well just find a nice family to rent the house to. It's going to be so much easier. So three doesn't work. Five I would stay away from today because five is the threshold at which you need to apply to your local authority for a license. Now, let me be very careful what I'm saying to you here. I am not saying that you should set the house up in anything other than licensable quality. You need to adhere to all the fire and safety regulations. You need to make sure that your house is compliant and would pass the licensing criteria if you had to. But you don't really want to go through uh, 
all the arduous tests and questions of setting up an HMO license for five bids plus, because five bids is the threshold, uh, if you don't need to at this time. So we are going to target four bedrooms, four bedrooms. But it doesn't have to be a four-bed house initially, because... Uh, Wherever you live in England, you're going to find these houses. You're going to find houses that have got two reception rooms on the ground floor and a kitchen extension at the rear, usually a Victorian terrace. We've all been in those houses. And upstairs, there will be three bedrooms and a bathroom. So you've got three bedrooms upstairs all ready to go. You don't have to do any work there. Maybe have a look at fitting fire doors, smoke detectors, all the compliance stuff. Check with your local authority what they require for a four-bed HMO uh, to be compliant. Really, really important. And then downstairs, you can take one of the reception rooms, uh, probably the front reception room, which will leave you the second reception room at the rear and the kitchen at the rear. You can use as communal living space. But the front reception room, you can turn into bedroom four. You've got to do it compliantly, but you know it's not expensive to do, not in the scale of buying a property. It really isn't. Uh, especially as you're going to turbocharge the rent roll and take this to a different place. So where are we going now? We're going to take one of those houses that, as a single let, might have let a 450 a month. You remember those at the start of the podcast? We're going to take one of those and we are going to multi-let the room. So it's the same house. We've turned the front reception room into a bedroom, but we've transformed the rent roll. Because what you're going to find is, generally speaking, and it's not a, you know, I, I, I'm painted with a broad brush here across northern England in particular, but generally uh, the room rate for something like that in a decent house, in a decent area with decent finishes, and I would urge you to do that. That's what we're talking about here. Don't want to labour the point, but we don't do nasty stuff for nasty people. We do great quality accommodation, uh, but we do it. Uh, in such a way that we can do it at a reasonable price, okay? So uh, we're going to have three rooms that will rent at around £80 a week. £80 a week, all bills included, don't forget. £80 a week. Then you're going to have the uh, troublesome fourth room. And the reason it's troubled is usually it's a little bit small. It'll be legal, but it'll be a little bit small. So you've got three at 80, that's £240 a week, plus... You've got the small room, which um, you'll get it away at £60. You will. If it's a little bit cheaper, somebody will uh, take that room. It might be one of the first to go because somebody's looking for cheap accommodation. So now we're looking at, instead of £450 a month, we're looking at a rent roll of £300 a week. £300 a week is £15,600 a year. But the house is still costing us between sixty and £70,000 to set up and get running. In this part of the world where my mentee is working, that is real. That is the realistic figures. Okay, so uh, maybe it's not the same where you are. But to cover most of Northern England, I understand the figures are going to be different in the South, and I'll do a different podcast episode for those friends who are working in the South of England. We'll adjust the figures and see how we have to adjust our approach. It's really, really interesting, actually. But what we're going to do in, in the northern town, we're going to look at a house that you can provide with four lettable rooms and you can do the whole thing. All the upgrades, all the changes, all the refurbishment, everything required, all the uh, smoke alarms, everything that you need for £90,000 all in. 
I know that can be done because I've done it. £90,000 all in if you are producing £15,600 a year in rent roll, then you divide in order to get gross yield. Remember, we're only talking gross yield in, in this particular podcast episode. We're not getting more technical than that. We take the £15,600 rent roll and we divide it by £90,000, which is the total cost of the acquisition of the property to give us four lettable rooms. And we express that figure as a percentage. It comes out at 17% gross yield. 17% gross yield stands up to anywhere in the UK as a really, really strong number for an investor. Uh, that is something you can talk to a new investor about. And if you're new to the industry, don't get involved in sweating the numbers and trying to find return on capital employed and return on investment and all that. We'll stick with gross. 17%, the investor knows if they're any the investor worth their sort at all, the investor knows if they're an experienced investor and uh, worth their sort at all, they know that a 17% gross figure will come down to around... 7-8% net return, a really, really cool return, which will work for them way more, way more acceptable than the sort of uh, money they're receiving by keeping their money in the bank. And that's what our niche is to uplift an investor's return on the money that they've got sitting in the bank. So in summary, I hope this helps. For those of you who are wondering how to get started, this is a way to get started. And you don't need really detailed analysis. I see people um, doing hours and hours of analysis on their figures, on their numbers, trying to do spreadsheets and graphs and stuff like that. I'll summarize. This is all you need to get going for a single let. A single let. You take the gross rent roll, you divide it by the cost of acquisition and express that number as a percentage. If you can get 9 or 10%, out of that number, you have a investor purchase, my friend, and you can earn some money. For a flip, don't worry about all the detailed analysis. I am telling you, if you can buy the property between 40 and 50p in the pound of the upgraded value, the refurbished value of the property, you have a deal, you can sell that and earn yourself a healthy fee for that. Or you can take the single let house and turn it into a multi-let, a mini-mo, whatever you call it. It is an HMO, definitely a house of multiple occupation for four people. You need four people, not three, not five. You need four people uh, in that house, and you can turn a gross yield of 17%. If you can get it towards 20%, even better. People love a 19 20% gross yield return. The return goes up, of course, if your investor client is going to use the leverage of finance. So they only have to put a deposit in. But uh, I'm going to deal with the uh, power of the leverage of finance for deal sources and deal packages in a different podcast episode. I hope this one has been useful for you. Um, it was prompted today by a real, real case study, a real conversation I had with my real mentors who's at the start of his real deal packaging career. Uh, you can go through the same process that he went through. I really hope this helped and uh, I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. 
Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.